Anyway, we've got, a, we've got a fun morning in store because we are kicking off a series called Pilgrimage. Everybody say, P-P-Pilgrimage. I'm just settling in, so I'm giving you guys busy work to do, you know, things to say. Anyway, just kidding. So Pilgrimage, we're starting a series on the Psalms this morning, and we're going to be covering this for the next four to five weeks and uh, looking at the Psalms and seeing what it has to say to us. And I'm really, really looking forward to the series because I feel that it will be uh, impactful, it will be beneficial, and it will probably speak to uh, much of what we're going through as young adults in this season of our lives, going into the fall, in the fall, I should say, uh, with school, with work, with wooing that person uh, and trying to convince them to date you and all the different things that we're in. And Abe raises his hand and says, glory be to God. Praise. Yes. (laughs) You owned it, my man. And so I'm titling this message this morning, The Covenantal Journey. The Covenantal Journey. And let's begin this morning. Yeah, and if you hear a little voice talking up front, that's Rush. Okay, because he's hanging out with us. So let's take a second and uh, let's quiet our hearts and let's begin with a moment of pause, with a moment of stillness, with a moment of silence and reflection and looking to our God and asking him for our bread and water for today's journey. So let's just sit. Let's recalibrate. Let's uh, be be, uh, present and still before our God for a minute. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord of life. Our eyes are on you this morning, O Lord. And in the stillness, we know that there's not a thing you haven't done for us. There's not a thing you haven't done to make us your own. You withheld nothing in making us your kids. Lord, you went to the greatest lengths to call us yours, and to call us sons, and to call us daughters. And any good thing that's happening in our lives is because of you, Jesus. And so we just, we take a second and we recognize you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Calvary. Yes, thank you for the house we live in, and yes, thank you for our food, and thank you for our cars, and thank you for our relationships, and of course, we thank you for that. But more than all of that, thank you for salvation. Thank you for your resurrection life that lives in us, that saturates our very being. Thank you that we belong to Abba Father in whom there is no shadow of turning, and in whom there is no darkness, and in whom there is no fear, but in whom there is perfect and everlasting love for us to drink of daily. So we come before you, O God, of our souls, and God of our salvation, and we ask that you would speak to us anew this morning. Would you speak to us fresh truths from your word? Would you open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive your truth? and to drink deep of your love, and to feast on your word. 
And we commit ourselves right now to be doers of your word, not just hearers and so deceiving ourselves, but doers, putting it into practice, carrying it with us on this journey and pilgrimage that we're on in this life of faith. So come, Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? Would you use these, these fallible words for infallible purposes? God, in your truth and in your proclamation of the truth, we know that there can be truth absolute, objective truth spoken to us. And so we love you. We thank you. We welcome you in this place. And we thank you for allowing us to be your kids. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the people of God said, amen, amen, amen. The covenantal journey. Have you ever, in your life, need you to be honest here, be vulnerable, have you ever played the if-then game in your life? Uh, For example, if I could only get that 2016 Jeep Wrangler with a 12-inch lift and a hard top, burnt orange, then dot, 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 all the ladies would be swooning. If I could just land that job, then dot, dot, dot. If I could land that house and scrounge up that down payment to buy my first house, then dot, dot, dot. If I could only pass this godforsaken biochem class, Anybody ever been there? I'm there right now with my Indianapolis Colts, sadly. I've been playing the if-then game for years, ever since 2006 when Peyton Manning won us the Super Bowl. It's this dry season where I've been playing if we can only get a quarterback. Since Peyton Manning left and deserted us for somewhere, I can't remember. If If we can just get a quarterback, then maybe we'll have a shot at the playoffs. And then we found Andrew Luck. And then we have Andrew Luck, and I'm thinking, if, we, if Andrew Luck could only lead us to the playoffs this year, then we'd have a shot at the Super Bowl, and Andrew Luck gets injured. And it's like, okay, if only maybe he can pick up his game, and, and we can give him a bigger contract, then maybe he'll go through. Well, then he gets a bigger contract to a tune of $140 million, people, the biggest contract in NFL history. So we're thinking, yes. If Andrew Luck has his contract, then he'll perform, and then the next year he has shoulder surgery, and I think he is on IR for the rest of the year. Now, scouts are saying otherwise, but he's uh, crazy, ridiculously injured. He hasn't started a game this year, and we're left still playing out the if-then scenario. Oh, God, is there going to be rain in Indianapolis once again? Probably not for another couple decades, but... We all fall prey to this if-then cycle in our lives. I think we all can relate to the feeling of setting up these ifs and projecting these thens really with the ultimate purpose of giving us a sense of arrival. I think we set up these if-thens to make us feel like if only I can have this, then this, then things will be as they should be. Then life will be as it should be. Then I'll have enough money. Then I'll have the car. Then I'll have that relationship. Then I'll have that job. And life will be good. I will live the good life. And often what we do is in setting up these if-then statements, we realize through failure, that actually this sense of arrival that we've been seeking so much cannot be found in the ifs that we set up, in the thens that we try and project in our lives. And in our lives, as we so often can be caught in this cycle of 
grass is always greener in our ifs and thens, the Psalms stand kind of as this perennial voice to the people of God that kicks in the door of our notions of arrival here in this life. And it stands as the voice that says, wait, 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 in fact, you want arrival and you want resolution and you want finality here in life, but you're not going to get it. Why? Because life is a process, as Shailene was talking about in YA Stories a couple weeks back. Life is a journey. We see this idea in the Psalms that shatters our notions of arrival and shatters our uh, straw men that we've set up of if and thens. And it says that life is, in fact, a pilgrimage and a journey of the life of faith. Uh, Anybody been there, like, setting up if-then statements besides me? I think we all can relate. But um, in our lives, we can fall prey to this cycle. And and this longing of arrival that we set up uh, and we have so innately in our being, really, when we look at the Psalms, we realize that there is no sense of arrival on this side of heaven. That the, the, this profound sense of finality and wanting things to be a certain way and feeling totally and completely content and, and fulfilled in that really will only be fulfilled in the life of the world to come. And the Psalms really stands as this perennial voice to us as we set up these cycles. And so I want to throw you guys a couple of ideas of what the Psalms paint for us and what the Psalms demonstrate for us. The Psalms show us this pilgrimage. And on this pilgrimage, we see first a myriad of situations. The Psalms display on this pilgrimage, there's a myriad of situations, uh, life circumstances, things that the son and daughter of faith experience and have to walk through in this pilgrimage. For, for example, Psalm 51 is many of us know it, uh, David has just committed an atrocious sin with Bathsheba and adultery and murder and deceit and lies and manipulation, all of it. I mean, there's this gunk that's happening with David. And Psalms 51 uh, kind of documents the situation that David is in of being entangled by sin and being bound and feeling like he got away with it, yet this sin eating him from the inside out, and then he's pursued by Nathan and confronted, and he confesses to his sin. But Psalm 51, um, this, this anthem of, I know my transgressions and my sins are always before you, O God. Against you and you alone have I sinned. David is in kind of this season, this circumstance of sin in his life. Psalm 59 We see the psalmist is in uh, some pretty high-level turmoil where things are just happening in their lives that they don't really understand. This prayer, deliver me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. This, why is this happening? I don't understand this, Lord. It's this season and this situation of turmoil. Psalm 41 is a season and a psalm of betrayal, which many of us can relate to. Where the psalm says, even my closest friend whom I trusted has eaten my, who has eaten my bread has betrayed me, has lifted up his hand against me. The very person that I trusted most, the very person that I had intimate communion and relationship with has now backstabbed me. And it's the season and the circumstance of betrayal. And so the Psalms show us that there are a number of different situations in which the people of God walk through. But what it also does is on this pilgrimage, we, we see through the Psalms, a myriad of states of soul. So we see situations, and then we see states of soul as well. For example, Psalm 13, having feelings of divine rejection, where the psalmist prays, How long will you hide your face from me, O God? 
How long will you keep yourself from my soul? Where are you, God? Anybody feel that way ever? These feelings, the state of the soul of divine rejection. Psalm 42, uh, feelings of sorrow. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Come on, soul, get with it. Pick up. Why are you so sorrowful? Why are you downcast? Sorrow, sadness. And then finally, Psalm 138, uh, kind of a feeling and a state of soul of thanksgiving, where life is going right, where the psalmist and the people of God are well off, where they're provided for, where they're at peace, where they're comforted. And they pray the psalm of thanksgiving, I give thanks with my whole heart to you, O God. Thank you for your steadfast love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your satisfaction of our souls. We praise and thank you. There's a myriad of states of souls as well that the Psalms take us on. And I say that to say that in the Psalms, when we look at it as a whole, we see this, um, this picture of a variety of life circumstances happening and a variety of human responses to those life circumstances. And we see this kind of volatile seasons of life unplay before us. And we look and we see that the psalmist can be on cloud nine and on the mountaintop and they're feeling good and all they feel is as it should be and then they walk through the valley and some stuff hits the fan and they're wrestling with all the feelings that go along with that. And so the psalms in this up and down phase that we see the people of God walking through, uh, it actually paints for us a clearer picture of what anchors the psalms and what ought to anchor the people of God as we walk through these struggles and as we walk through these trials and as we walk through these circumstances and states of our souls. And that one thing is alluded to pretty strongly and beautifully in Psalm 74, verse 23 to 26. This is the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire more than anything on earth. My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, circumstances, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Keep that up for a second. This psalm happens um, right on the heels of the, the psalmist declaring questions and doubts to the Lord, trying to wrestle with and unpack the idea of why the wicked prosper. He's looking around and seeing, man, this dude is wicked and this dude is wicked and that chick be crazy. And yet they're prospering. God, you're blessing them, it seems like. They they have finances. They're well off. It doesn't look like they have a care in the world. And as he's wrestling with his doubt and this emotional turmoil, he goes and he says, yet, I still belong to you. And he goes on and explains how that looks in his life, being the Lord's. And so throughout the Psalms, Psalm 74, painting us a clear picture, we see this fact that the thing that grounds the Psalms and the thing that grounds really us today uh, in the myriad of circumstances in our lives and in the myriad of states of souls that we have is this idea that we belong to the Lord. Let me take it a step further, that we are in covenant with the Lord 
You see, this covenant language pervades the Psalms. This covenant language is the thing that the psalmists always end up coming back to. This may be happening, but I belong to you. And I may be feeling this way, and I may be feeling sorrowful, but I know that there is covenant that is durable. I know that there is covenant with the living God that I can lean on and draw my strength from. And so you see, the Psalms teach us that there is covenant for us that is not contingent upon life circumstances or states of the soul. There's covenant for us that's not contingent upon circumstances or states of the soul. There is covenant that uh, ascends beyond anything that we walk through in this life. And I'll say it another way. Covenant is the canopy under which we live our lives of faith with the Lord. It's that thing that overshadows us, that is immovable, that is durable, that is faithful and steadfast. And regardless of what's going on down here, regardless of betrayal, regardless of heartache, regardless of thanksgiving, regardless of being well off, regardless of where we feel our souls are, there is covenant that transcends every single season of our life. And it's this reality that grounds the psalmists throughout the book of Psalms, that in the wrestling and in the trial and in the varying and really Jekyll and Hyde kind of life that we live at times, it is the covenant, the canopy that we live under in our lives of faith. Covenant is the canopy and really This reality profoundly informs that we live our walk of faith with the Lord and the way that we journey with him. Because in covenant, just as the psalmist display, in covenant there is safety. And in covenant, in this unbroken relationship that God has made to us, there is place and even uh, position and license to mourn. There is safety to grieve. There is safety to question. There is safety even sometimes to wrestle with doubt. There is safety to be thankful. There is safety to be grateful. There is safety to be joyful. There is safety to to cover and eclipse everything that we walk through in life and everything we experience. Covenant is the safe place. Covenant is the place in which we live our lives of faith with God. And so as we walk through the Psalms, we really see that the Psalms tell us in raw fashion of the covenantal journey of faith in Yahweh. The Psalms as a whole document this covenantal journey that these psalmists are on, that there is in fact no arrival as we know it here on this side of heaven, but that's coming in the new creation. But for now in this life, we are pilgrims, as Peter says. We are sojourners. We are soldiers. We are those who pilgrim this life in hopes that we will one day and in the faith that we will one day apprehend the perfect and eternal life of the world to come. But we pilgrim and we journey now. And it's that covenant that anchors us in this pilgrimage, this covenant that anchors us in this journey in the life of faith. And so regardless of the mountains that we may live in, and regardless of the valleys in which we walk, and regardless of what we feel and experience, and when life goes sideways and goes unexpectedly, regardless of all of that, covenant is the durable factor. Covenant is the canopy. Covenant is the thing that we live under in this life of faith. Um, Last year, JC and I, my wife bought uh, our first house last September. And uh, this time last year, you know, we were pulling our hair out, trying to get settled and move into this place. But uh, in September last year, 2016, 
we uh, bought our first house. And in the house buying process, I don't know how many of you guys have walked through that, but it is uh, incredibly diverse, I'll say, in the kind of feelings that you feel and in the states of your soul through it. Because uh, the, the night that we found the house and we decided that we wanted to buy the house in this market, you got to jump on it, stat, right? So we, uh, we go and I'm, we're, we're spending some time over at a friend's house. And we're kind of getting in a bidding war about this house. We realize that there's been another offer on the table for this house. There's been two or three in the past that have fallen through, and this is our chance. And so we're figuring out what we can afford, and we're figuring out closing costs, and we're figuring out just all the ugh of buying houses. And we're, we're, you know, we're stressed and we're anxious and, oh gosh, we're talking to a realtor. What, how, how much we, can we put down? How much can we afford? Should we get this range? Should we do this range? What, what, what was that offer? You can't tell us. Okay, great. And we're, we're just wrestling with it. And finally, we say, you know what? We put down, a, down, or we put down an offer and uh, within a couple hours, we find out that we are now homeowners, that we landed the house and we're, yes, that's right. Spoiler alert. You already knew that, but I'll take that. Woo. And so we're, we're elated, right, as these things go. We are incredibly excited to move into our first house. We are so, 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 so excited about this new season of our life. And I am just absolutely rejoicing and elated with JC. And we are high-fiving and we're hugging and we're just pumped. Yes, our first house. Well, fast forward a month where, uh, you know, you actually got to start packing up and dealing with the logistics of a big move. That feeling of elation died down and simmered a little bit, and now we were in the thick of stress of moving, and we're figuring out moving trucks, and we're figuring out how to rally this, you know, crew of people to help us move, and all of the, everything that goes into it. And so we're stressed again, and, and, and the weeks are getting closer, and then finally, it's the night before we're moving into our new house. And we go to sleep, and we're excited, we feel like all the details are taken care of, and so we go to sleep. And I wake up and get ready for work and get in the car. And as I'm going out to the car, I see that the inside of our car is kind of in shambles. And I think, I, 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 didn't, I didn't think the car was this messy. JC must have gotten in here that night. So I went, I went to, back inside to JC and I said, babe, did you get in the car last night and like ruffle through some stuff? And she said, no, I was out the entire night. You kidding me? I have a four-month-old. I sleep through the night. Forget it. And so I said, okay, cool. So I went out and I take a look and I actually get in the car and I realized that our car had been broken into and that we had over $400 in cash. Don't judge me that I had cash in my car, but we had over $400 in cash that was stolen. Our checkbook got stolen. Our credit card was go. I mean, it was catastrophe, right? And so I'm, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm ruffled up and I get in the car and I go to work, whatever. Okay, but it's moving day, so all things will be good. We're going to get in a new house tonight. It's going to be awesome. So I go to work, and I shake off the uh, frustrations, and I shake off the fact that I just lost freaking $400 to a thief. And I come home, and I'm on my way home ready to pack up the moving truck and ready to get into our new house. And my tire blows on the way home. 
which is fine. Okay, fine. Yeah, flat tires happen. But the thing is that we were missing a part that required me to change the tire. Somehow, I don't even, I still don't know how it happened, but I was at that thing for like an hour trying to get that tire off on the side of the road. And finally, I, I, I think the part was like on another side of the car. I still don't know how it happened, but I like ripped the thing off the axle. I put the new tire on. I drive home and I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. This is the worst day ever. But we're moving, right? We're moving. All things will be good. And so we get home, and we get the crew, and we start loading up the truck, and it's fine, and we get everything, and we get out of the house, and we clean the, the house, and we're, we're in a good position. And finally, I get to the truck, and I'm going to shut the truck, and the back of the truck won't shut. And what had happened was there's kind of wires that run along it, and the, the wires had come completely off the spool. And so this massive U-Haul truck's back won't shut, and our stuff is just exposed. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And so we call the, you, the uh, truck company, whatever, and they come out, and they send a guy. It takes him an hour and a half to get there. We finally get He fixes it. He shuts it. And at the end of the night, I just go to JC, and I crumble. I mean, I absolutely shatter. And she just holds me, and I am, like, weeping. Just, like, the the stress of this last month and the stress of this last 24 hours just shattered me. And so I, I am just completely broken and frustrated and mad and depressed, but dealing with this excitement about the new house, I mean, I was just, ugh. And, uh... I look back, and we got into the house, and we're fine, and, you know, we're never using that truck company again, and we're never living downtown again, but um, I look back, and I think, what made it so to where I could be both completely stressed and completely elated and completely broken with JC? What made it so that in that season, there was the safe place, there was the, 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 the space in order for me to have license and give room to being completely on cloud nine and absolutely excited and completely devastated and broken and stressed as all get out. It was covenant. It was the relationship that JC and I had, and it's the safety that we have with each other, and it's this marriage that we've brought ourselves into and we were led into that allows me to be me. And allows the state of my soul to be the state of my soul. And allows my life circumstances to be my life circumstances. And for me to have a safe place to express sorrow. And a safe place to express anger. And a safe place to express uh, resentment. And a, and a safe place just to unpack these, these uh, hard things of life. It is covenant. It's the thing that anchored me in all of that. It's the thing that still continues to anchor me. And I wonder... If that's the case with a human relationship, though divinely instituted, this is between a man and a woman, how much more is that the case between the creator and his covenant with his creatures? And how much more is that the case with a covenant that was wrought with the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ? In this covenant, there is safety. In this covenant, there is a place to pilgrim this life. There is a place to journey, to walk with the Lord, knowing that regardless of what happens in our lives, there is the durability and there is the safety of the covenant. And though our life circumstances may not change, and though we may be still wrestling with some things in our souls, there is the safe canopy under which we live of covenant, which we know is immovable. And we know it will never change. And we know that regardless of what we feel and regardless of what the state of our lives show, there is covenant for us. This durable, everlasting, faithful covenant that we can throw all of our hopes and trust and faith on. This covenant is unbroken. 
And so regardless of what we walk through and regardless of what we feel, so often we can define our relationship with God and allow the circumstances and the states of our souls to inform the covenant and to inform where we're at with God and think, I don't feel this way, so God must be mad at me and God must be withholding something from me. Or I don't have any money in my bank account and my engine just blew and I got dumped all in one day. God must be against me. What's happening? And we can so often project what's happening in our lives or what's happening in our souls to the Lord and assume that the Lord has changed or the Lord is ordering something terrible in our lives. When in reality, it's the covenant that's durable in those seasons. That when life's full of ups and downs and twists and turns and curveballs that smack you right in the teeth, the Lord has given us his covenant under which we can live safely and under which we can be confident that there is no changing God's mind about us and there's no changing his love for us. Paul goes so far as to say in Romans eight thirty-one to 32 and then in verse 38, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Verse 38. 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, here it is, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. People, there is covenant. There is durable, everlasting, love-saturated covenant for us. And as we walk through life and as we pilgrim and as we read the Psalms and see how they inform our lives of faith, we can stand confident knowing that regardless of what happens out here and regardless of what we feel, God has not changed his mind about us. There is something that transcends, that overshadows, that eclipses any sort of suffering or good that happens in our lives. It's this covenant that we're grounded to, this covenant that anchors us, this covenant that allows us to step back and know the Lord's for me. The Lord's with me. And I can feel this way and this way and this way and this way. And this can be happening in my life and this and this and this and this. But the Lord is faithful and the Lord is with me. And he informs our lives. And this covenant informs the circumstances and the states of our souls. We are not to assume uh, that these things inform the Lord or that God's against us when these things rise up or happen in our lives. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So as we go to school and, and sometimes flunk out on classes, and as we go to work and get in a fight with that coworker, and as we're in relationships and our friend says that thing that feels like it's betrayal, and when we're in that romantic relationship and we get dumped or whatever, we know that there is covenant that, that is the canopy under which we live. We have safety with the Lord. So therefore then, as the Psalms document, if we're walking by still waters, laying down in green pastures with the Lord, our souls being restored, this place of intimacy with him, we know that he's with us and for us and there's covenant. And even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? Why? Because he's with us. 
because his rod and his staff comfort us. There's something about God that isn't uh, contingent upon what happens in our lives, but God has made it so that we are in unbroken, unbridled, pure covenant with him that is durable beyond what we feel or beyond the circumstances of our lives. And so throughout this series, we're going to be giving attention to the varying states of our lives and the various states of our souls. We're going to be seeing what we are to do with the seasons where things just seem good and things seem right and our well-offness. But then we're going to unpack what we do with these seasons of suffering and seasons of doubt and seasons of questions and betrayal and all of that. But before we do that, we first have to come to grips with this reality that we Regardless of if it's this season or this season, good or bad, uh, happiness, joy, or sorrow, we're in covenant. And that covenant informs every single facet of our lives and transcends every part of our lives with the Lord. And so matter, no matter where we walk and no matter what we're feeling, we know we're walking with the Lord. We know we're journeying with him. We know we're pilgriming with him and that there is something that is strong and durable, the new covenant that he has made with the people of God. Amen. Father, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Psalms that give us a glimpse into this journey of faith. Lord, we thank you that with you there is safety. We thank you that with you there is covenant that is not contingent upon what happens in our lives nor the states of our souls, but we know that we can be steadfast and grounded in the reality that we are always yours. And God, short of us turning our backs on you and walking away from you and choosing a life without you, you will never turn your back on us. You're faithful. You're unchanging. And there can be peace in the turmoil. And there can be stillness in the chaos. And there can be joy in the sorrow. And even if there's not, oh God, this covenant grounds us. And it's this canopy, this beautiful, wonderful, magnificent, unfathomably rich and durable canopy under which we live our lives. Thank you for your covenant with us. Thank you that we're yours. We're still with you. And thank you that you're for us and nothing can stand against us. And we pray that as we discuss these things and as we unpack your scriptures, would you speak to us truth? Holy Spirit, would you continue to guide us into all truth? And I pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart during this discussion time would be pleasing to you and that you would have your way through it. We love you, Lord of life. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen, amen. Let's throw those questions up. And uh, God bless you guys as you discuss. We'll pick this up here in a couple minutes. Much love. All right, everybody, wrap up those discussions. And as we prepare to dismiss this morning, let's all stand and uh, let me pray a prayer over us this week. Father, I thank you for this young adult body. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the gift that they are to this church and to the church, and to the world at large. And I thank you that you are using us as salt, and you're using us as light. And these are all cities on hills that cannot be hidden. And as we scatter throughout the city this week, going to school, taking classes, going to our jobs, connecting uh, in the community, we invite you into everything we do. And we pray that all glory and honor and praise would be yours. And so, young adults, this week, as you disperse, I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you. 
I pray that he would make his face shine upon you and that he'd be gracious to you. I pray that the Lord would lift his shining countenance upon you and grant you peace all week long as you live in the covenant of the Lord. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen.